Chapter 16 of Gone to Earth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Gone to Earth by Mary Webb. Chapter 16. The stately May morning, caparisoned in diamonds, full of the solemnity that perfect beauty wears, had come out of the purple mist and shamed the hovel where Hazel dressed for her bridal. The cottage had sunk almost out of recognition in the foam of spring. Ancient lilacs stood about it and nodded purple coroneted heads across its chimney. Their scent bore down all other scents like a strong personality, and there was no choice but to think the thoughts of the lilac. Two laburnums, forked and huge of trunk, fingered the roof with their lower branches and dripped gold on it. The upper branches sprang far into the blue. The may-tree by the gate knew its perfect moment, covered with crystal buds that shone like rain among the bright green leaves. From every pear-tree, full-blossomed, dropping petals, and from every shell-pink apple-tree came the roar of the bees. Abel rose very early, for he considered it the proper thing to make a wreath for Hazel, being an artist in such matters the lilies of the valley were almost out he had put some in warm water overnight and now he sat beneath the horse-chestnut and worked at the wreath the shadows of the leaves rippled over him like water and often he looked up at the white spires of blossom with a proprietary eye for his bees were working there with a ferocity of industry he was moody and miserable for he thought of the township of hives that hazel might have won for him he comforted himself with the thought that there would be something saved on her keep. It never occurred to him to be sorry to lose her. In fact, there was little reason why he should be. Each had lived a lonely, self-sufficing life. They were entirely unsuitable companions for each other. He wove the wet lilies, rather limp from the hot water, onto a piece of wire taken from one of his wreath frames. So Hazel went to her bridal in a funeral wreath. She woke very tired from the crisis yesterday, but happy. She and Foxy and the one-eyed cat, her rabbit and the blackbird, were going to a country far from troublous things, to the peace of Edward's love on the slope of God's little mountain. The difficulties of the new life were forgotten. Only its joys were visible today. Mrs. Marston seemed to smile and smile in an eternal loving-kindness, and Martha's heavy face wore an air of good fellowship. The loud winds, lulled and bearing each its gift of balm, would blow softly round Edward's house. Frost, she thought, would not come to God's little mountain, as to the cold callow. She had not seen Reddin's rimy shoulders, nor the cold glitter of the tombs. She sang as she dressed with the shrill sweetness of a robin. She had never seen such garments. She hardly knew how to put some of them on. She brushed her hair till it shone like a tiger lily, and piled it on her small head in great plaits. When her white muslin frock was on, she drew a long breath, seeing herself in bits in the small glass. I be like a picture, she gasped. Round her slim, sunburnt neck was a small gold chain holding a topaz pendant which matched her eyes. When she came forth, like a lily from the mould, Abel staggered backwards, partly in clownish mirth, partly in astonishment. He was so impressed that he got breakfast himself and afterwards went and sandpapered his hands until they were sore. 
Hazel, enthroned in one of the broken chairs, fastened on Foxy's wedding collar, made of blue forget-me-not. Foxy, immensely dignified, sat on her haunches, her chin tucked into the forget-me-nots, immovably bland. She was evidently competent for her new role. She might have been ecclesiastically connected all her life. The one-eyed cat was beside her, blue-ribboned, purring her best, which was like a broken bagpipe on account of her stormy youth. "'Ah, you'd best purr!' said Hazel, sitting on cushions by the fireside all your life long you'll be, and Foxy with a brand new tub. Not many brides think so little of themselves, so much of small pensioners, as Hazel did this morning. Breakfast was a sociable meal, for Abel made several remarks. Now and then he looked at Hazel and said, Laws! Hazel laughed gleefully. When she stood by the gate, watching for the neighbour's cart that was to take them, she looked as full of white budding promise as the may-tree above her. She did not think very much about Edward, except as a protecting presence. Reddin's face, full of strong, mysterious misery, the feel of Reddin's arm as they danced, his hand, hot and muscular, on hers, these claimed her thoughts. She fought them down conscious that they were not suitable in Edward's bride. At last the cart appeared, coming up the hill with the peculiar lurching deportment of market carts. The pony had a bunch of marigolds on each ear, and there was lilac on the whip. They packed the animals in, the cat giving ventriloquial mews from her basket, the rabbit in its hutch, the bird in its wooden cage, and Foxy sitting up in front of Hazel. The harp completed the load. They drove off amid the cheers of the next-door children and took their leisurely way through the resinous fragrance of larch woods. The cream-coloured pony was lame, which gave the cart a peculiar roll, and she was tormented with hunger for the marigolds, which hung down near her nose and caused her to get her head into strange contortions in the effort to reach them. The wind sighed in the tall larches, and once again, as on the day of the concert, they bent attentive heads towards Hazel. In the glades, the widespread hyacinths would soon be paling towards their euthanasia, knowing the art of dying as well as that of living. Fortunate, as few sentient creatures are, in keeping their dignity in death. When they drove through the quarry where deep shadows lay, Hazel shivered suddenly. "'Somebody walking over your grave,' said Abel. "'Oh, dunna say that. It be unlucky on my wedding day,' she cried. As they climbed the hill, she leaned forward, as if straining upwards out of some deep horror. When their extraordinary turnout drew up at the gate, Abel boisterously flourishing his lilac-laden whip and shouting elaborate but incomprehensible witticisms, Edward came hastily from the house. His eyes rested on Hazel, and were so vivid, so brimful of tenderness, that Abel remained with a joke half expounded. "'My Hazel!' Edward said, standing by the cart and looking up. Welcome home, and God bless you. You canna say fair enough that, remarked Abel. In a our Azel pert, dressed up summat crawl, inna she? 
Edward took no notice. He was looking at Hazel, searching hungrily for a hint of the same overwhelming passion that he felt. But he only found childlike joy, gratitude, affection, and a faint shadow for which he could not account, and from which he began to hope many things. If, in that silent room upstairs, he had come to the opposite decision, if he had that very day told Hazel what his love meant, by the irony of things, she would have loved him and spent on him the hidden passion of her nature. But he had chosen the unselfish course. Well, he said, in a business-like tone, suppose we unpack the little creatures and Hazel first. Mrs. Marston appeared. Oh, are you going to a show, Mr. Woodus? she asked Abel. It would have been so nice and pleasant if you would have played your instrument. Yes, ma'am, that's what I've a-come for. I inna goin' to no show. I've come to the wedding to get my belly full. Mrs. Marston, very much flustered, asked what the animals were for. I think, mother, they're for you, Edward smiled. She surveyed Foxy, full of vitality after the drive, the bird moping and rough, the rabbit with one ear inside out, looking far from respectable. She heard the ventriloquistic muse. I don't want them, dear, she said with great decision. It's a bit of a cat's home you're startin', mum, said Abel. Mrs. Marston found no words for her emotions, but while Edward and Abel bestowed the various animals, she said to Martha, "'Weddings are not what they were, Martha.' "'Bride to groom,' said Martha, who always read the local weddings. "'A one-eyed cat, a foolish rabbit, as it'd be better in a pie, an ill-contrived bird, and a filthy, smelly fox.' Mrs. Marston relaxed her dignity so far as to laugh softly. She decided to give Martha a rise next year. End of chapter 16. Recording by Rachel Linton, Bristol, UK.